It's time for some cheap talk. You're listening to Trick Chat. And with that familiar music, we welcome you to Cheap Talk, episode number 15. A much requested episode, eh, BJ? Yeah, especially by Kirk Randall. Especially by Mr. Kirk Randall. The main course for tonight is Heaven Tonight, 1978's classic. And we have with us, returning, the amazing Michael Butler. Welcome back, Michael. Hey, Ken. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And hello to all the rock and roll geek friends out there, including Todd Cunningham, friend of the show. There you go. I said it. Hi, Todd. <laughs> so, what? It's can real, we... but thank you for thank you for having me as such a in such esteemed company. This is a uh, album that I don't well, a very easy album to do. We're just gonna kiss its butt pretty much all the way around and uh, love on it. There's not a lot of uh, throwaway stuff on here in my mind. Uh, BJ, what are your thoughts, real quick? Yeah, of course, it's a great album. Well, let's do a little history on Heaven Tonight. Of course, if you're a fan of the show, you probably know all this stuff, but I'm going to read it anyway. Heaven Tonight is Cheap Trick's third studio album released in 1978. The album was remastered and released with bonus tracks on Sony's epic legacy imprint in 1988. The album cover features lead singer Robin Zander and bassist Tom Peterson. Of course, when you flip it over, you have Rick and Bun on the other side. I always loved those covers, didn't you guys? Yeah, yeah, I always got a kick out of it. Of course, uh, Rick also had a copy of a cassette of In Color in his back pocket, and he's brushing his teeth, Bunny's straightening up his tie, so... Heaven Tonight is considered Cheap Trick's best album by many fans and critics, while their debut album, Cheap Trick, shows the band's darker, rawer side, and In Color showed their lighter, poppier side. Heaven Tonight combined both elements to produce a hook-filled pop-rock album with an attitude. Popular songs from this album include the anthemic Surrender, Auf Wiedersehen, the title track, and the cover of the moves California Man. Heaven Tonight is also known as the first album ever recorded with a 12-string electric bass, so hurrah. (coughs) And as we're recording this right now, it's uh, Tom Peterson's birthday, so happy belated birthday if you're listening, Tom. Yes, Tom. And Tom, uh, call me. I left something at your house. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, female Cheap Trick fans that would like to say the same thing you just did. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I set it for them. <laughs> there you go. So, Michael, what are your first impressions of Heaven Tonight? You were among the people, like myself, back in the days, if I remember correctly, uh, back in 78, to kind of stumble upon this band. I saw him on the In Color tour, actually opening for Foreigner. I think Hart might have been on the bill, too, but don't quote me because I could be wrong. But uh, I, I saw them at the Jacksonville Coliseum on the In Color tour, and then I was in love with them after that. So, yes, I was around when – and I probably saw him on this tour as well and every tour after that, probably up until, like, I don't know, the 80s, one-on-one on one around that time. Mm-hmm. BJ, what are your quick thoughts on Heaven Tonight overall? Well, I would definitely say that I like the first two albums more. Uh, those are probably my two favorites. It's a great album, but you just read something where cheap it's considered the best Cheap Trick album by the fans, I think you read. Um, yeah, well, by some fans. Yeah. That would probably be the, by the probably the casual Cheap Trick fans or yeah, the right. critics. But it probably is their most consistent album, top to bottom. And I mean, obviously, they play just about every song on this album on Budokan, so and they still play a lot of songs from this album. So it's probably one of their favorite albums too. I guess would it be their best-selling studio album? 
Probably well, it, it went gold. It went gold in '79, but it didn't go platinum until '95. Yeah, wow. there you go. Huh? So interesting. And you know, it all, the highest it made it on the Billboard charts was 48. <laughs> That's a crime. But, but you then know, again, there was it's, tons it's a, of great music back then. Yeah. And you know, uh, Tom Worman produced this album. I had Tom Worman on the Rock and Roll Geek Show. If I could plug. And, oh, you can plug away. <laughs> But you know that because he did in color as well. Mm-hmm. Jack Douglas did the first album, BJ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, great Oracle. Yeah. So Tom Worman did the first did uh, in color, and they didn't like the production. But interesting that they went back to Tom Worman on, you know, to do this album. Well, this album. Know, well, the thing is, they didn't say back then that they didn't like the in color production. That's kind of a hindsight thing where that they started complaining about that. And yeah, so you have to wonder if they were so unhappy with the production on in color, which I personally think is great. Me too. Then why did they go have Tom Werman back for two more records if yeah, they were so and, unhappy with it? But the production on this album is probably a way better production than In Color. I would think it has more. It has more of everything. The only thing I can think that I don't like about the production of this album, keyboards a little too high in the mix. But other than that, I think this is a more, I guess you could say, arena rock friendly production yeah. than In Color. Good way right? of viewing it. Absolutely. Good one. Good one. What do you guys think of the cover? It's you know it's weird because we as fans tend to think that uh, certain things you know are are true or not, but they they've really only done a few covers like this. And, and you were saying it was typical. I well, this was the typical cheap trick album cover for the seventies. Mm-hmm. Well, know, the, two this, guys on the front, two guys on the back. The story behind the cover, the reason they're in a bathroom, is because the original album title was American Standard, right, which is the right. company that you see stamped on the urinals and the toilets that makes the bathroom fixtures or whatever. Right. So that's why they, you know, the photo shoot was in the bathroom in the first place. Yeah, which um, is... I don't know if they changed the na- the title because of like legal issues or they just di- they decided they didn't like it. But there are other bands that have used that as a title, though. Heaven tonight's a better title than American absolutely, Standard. absolutely. Does it work with the album cover? <laughs> Yeah. That would be yes. Yeah. They could have called it anything and it would have worked with the album cover. Yeah. Back when I was a wee folk and looking at this album cover, I always thought it was them backstage uh, at a concert hall or something. That's what They're I thought just, it was, too. That's not. You know, when you think about it, that it's supposed to be a bathroom in America's standard, it could just be any toilet. <laughs> Any yeah. public yeah. restroom, but they were probably he was probably brushing his teeth before they were getting ready to go on stage, yeah. and they, you know they just probably went into the backstage bathroom and took yeah. a picture. Who took? Who did the photo for the album cover? Oh, I saw the guy's name. And Reed Miles was the gentleman that did the photography. Right. The yeah. So, hey, Reed, you really don't want to name your t- album after a toilet, especially your third album, which could either make or break the band. It's kind of a silly thing that the record company wanted to do. Yeah, and you're invite and when the the critics back then, on you know, in Cream and Rolling Stone and Circus, they like to be very critical. So they would have mm. probably used the toilet analogy <laughs> on just about every review, even if they liked it, just to have something to say. <laughs> yeah, that Chris Go guy from Rolling Stone, especially, and and whoever was the reviewer at the time for Cream would have probably done that. Well, uh, I read the Rolling Stones review from 78 for this record, and it was very positive. Is it a B plus? Yeah, it was an A, I would say. I mean, I don't remember if they gave it a letter grade. that I, I saw it online, but um, it was a very positive review, a very good review. 
I don't know how any nobody. Come on, nobody's going to give this record a bad review, right? Any, especially a cheap trick fan. So, again, no. like special one, we're preaching to the choir. I mean, this is such an easy album to review because every well, you know, we'll get to each song, but it's a it's a quality quality album. It's and it probably is cheap trick at their highest. The the first three cheap, cheap trick albums came out between February '77 and May of '78. So in 15 months. That the, all three of those albums were released. Yeah, that's kind of you know, typical most of the seventies. Yeah, it is, and most of the songs came from the same batch that you know Rick had. Oh, okay, yeah. A gentleman by the name of Max Davidson noticed that that there are no lyrics for California Man on the inside of the uh, cover. Probably because it's not an original. Yeah, probably due to copyright issues, and it's not there. Eh, so probably a lot of bands didn't put uh, the, their lyrics for covers. On their albums in the lyric sheets. I don't know if that's a copyright. Maybe it is. It could be, but uh. they didn't have any lyrics on the first two albums. Right. So. Well, let's dive into this uh, side one. Probably one of the cheap trick songs. One of the cheap trick anthems.
I'm not one of these people that says I'm sick of hearing it. Are you guys? Well, if they didn't play it in concert, I would not be disappointed. Exactly. That's exactly what I would say. <laughs> but it is a it is a fantastic tune. I'm in a, I'm in a uh, band that plays '70s covers tunes called the Butlers, and. We just pulled. We just started doing this song because we did a, a gig as Cheap Lizzie. We did Thin Lizzie and all Cheap Trick songs, and to a T, every person in the audience, whether there's a metal fan, a death metal fan, uh, whatever, you can look in the audience. They're all singing along to the song. So it's one of those songs that just like everybody loves. So right. you know, if they don't play it live, I don't care because I this song's been played to death. But it is a fantastic tune, obviously. Uh-huh. And they have to play it live. I mean, it's like Aerosmith doing Train Kipper Rolling or whatever. If I, they, if I never hear him play that again, if I never hear Kiss play whatever, you know, uh, eh, probably wrong analogy, but it's one of those songs. I don't care if they never play it, but they have to play it because the casual Cheap Trick fan that, that was going to go, why didn't they play Surrender? So they have to play it, but it's a fantastic tune. Mm-hmm. And Surrender went through some permutations. Uh, the lyrics were something else at one time. BJ, can you kind of fill us in a little bit? Yeah, where he says, uh, recruited old maids for the war, the wax recruited old maids for the war that used to be um, old maids, dykes, and whores. Mm-hmm. That was the original lyric. And there were even some earlier lyrics. There's a version you played on the show where there was even even more different lyrics, that, even more offensive. I don't remember exactly what they were, though, but that's on one of the earlier episodes. Because this song goes back to 76. Mm-hmm. Even more differenter. <laughs> I like that. That's a new word for me. Of course, Kiss is mentioned. I think it would be not good form for us to mention it. Uh, as a Kiss fan, I always loved that. I know Gene had to love it because it meant that they finally arrived. Someone was paying attention to them. Michael, your thoughts? I don't really have any thoughts on that. Sometimes they'll say, got my trick records out, got my Kiss records out. Uh, Kiss at the time was probably on top of the world, mm-hmm. pardon the pun, and that's probably why they did it, because they were like, Kiss was the rock band, so. And they used to throw an actual Kiss record out into the yeah. audience when you said it, and now, you know, it's just a flat with a bunch of picks taped yeah. to it. But Did anybody, any of you guys ever catch one of those records that Rick Nielsen threw out with all the picks taped to it? No, No, sadly. unfortunately, no. God does not love me that much. If, if anybody listening ever caught one of those records, please take a picture and post it on the uh, Facebook with <laughs> right. you holding it. Our next song is On Top of the World. Michael, what do you think of this track? No, it's, okay, this song has all the elements of a great 70s rock song. Has what, here, here's the things you want in a 70s rock song. Obviously a great hook, mm-hmm. a great riff, ripping guitar solo talks about sex a little bit of religion thrown in there and it's even got the uh, great um the rock breakdown great i like that That, that's a good (laughs) summation very cool hey i'm not saying that uh (laughs) why don't you just say my analysis sucks kid no i i agree (laughs) it's a great tune there's not much you can say about the tune other than it's a fucking excuse me no it's a a fucking great song i think it's great um i love the bass part in it yeah. And, uh, you know, again, Tom just kills it on this album. Everybody kills it on and this album. This is one of the problems with doing this show, is that Cheap Trick standard of excellence permeates pretty much their entire catalog. And it's hard to say, well, this one yeah. sucks. You know what I mean? You also have to make a reference to the Peter Gunn intro. They were probably jamming uh, Peter yeah. Gunn when they came up with this tune. 
Good call. Good call. BJ, your thoughts on On Top of the World? Uh, this is one of my favorite Cheap Trick songs, like, you know, top ten. And, um, you know, I think Surrender is a deceptively a very simple song. Mm-hmm. And then this, uh, is a, this is a very complex song, you know. And I think this is an example of just killer production. Uh, perfectly produced, in my opinion. I love the piano accents, and it's a really complex arrangement. I love the arrangement. The lyrics are great. I think everything is done right on this song. It's amazing.
Our next track is California Man by Mr. Roy Wood. BJ, you take this one. Well, this is the best kind of a cover because it's actually better than the original and they turn it into a cheap trick song. You know, that's the way I think covers... What's the point of a cover if you're just going to try to recreate um, the original exactly, you know? Right. I, it definitely works very well on the album, but I think it it doesn't ha- quite have that quirkiness of, of Rick Nielsen's songwriting. You know, there's a little bit missing. But I, if I was sequencing the record, I would have put it on the second side, probably. I agree. But, it would have made it a stronger side. <coughs> I disagree, but go ahead. Why do you disagree, Michael? Uh, this song makes this one of the all-time great one, two, three punches of any rock album. Those first three songs just hit you over the head really hard, and it just—it's it, it, great. Those those are the per to me the perfect three songs to open this album with. I would agree with that. There's a strange clip on YouTube where they uh, are performing on Italian TV. And they lip sync Surrender and California Man, and Bunny's got his drum set <coughs> reversed and everything, so you can, you know that it's being lip synced. And there's a part where Rick jumps off this lift, and they keep taking it back and forth from where he lands back to where he jumps, and it just seems like such a stupid random thing to do. You've got this really cool charismatic band, and then you just make Rick look like he's doing this impossible jump back and forth. I remember my uh, 12-year-old stepson watching it on YouTube with me. He was like, is he doing that for real? (laughs) I said, no. That was somebody in the production crew that just got a new toy. Exactly, exactly. But it was weird because you would see things like that in the 70s with uh, Rick Nielsen. Like, whether it's Pink Ladies and Jeff or um, the American Music Award, they put a laugh track under Rick's playing. Not every guitar player gets a laugh track underneath what he's doing. There you go. So they were, the laugh track was going as the back and forth video editing job was happening? Uh, not on that, but on uh, the American Music Award. If, if you watch when they're doing uh, Ain't That a Shame, you know, they all come up and they all manage to come up on the stage and Bunny does that drum intro and then Robin comes up and it's a little bit of drama to the piece. And then... Rick's doing things Rick like everybody starts laughing. Yeah, and, and Rick's putting like the you know, my tears fell like rain, he's putting the pick upside down like it's a tear and and they would just put a laugh track underneath it. And it's strange because you didn't get that for Angus Young. You didn't get that for Ace Fraley, you know. Very bizarre. <clears throat> yeah. And also the drum, you should comment on the drum mix on this album too. I love the way the drums sound there. Super dry and way up front. I really yeah. like the way the drums sound. And this drum I think I, I'm probably wrong. You can correct me, D- BJ, but I think this drum sound is pretty um kind of defined the cheap trick sound back then. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I would say I would say that Bunny has kind of overlooked a lot of a lot of times. I agree. I agree. Uh, <laughs> His Michael, drumming is fantastic. Yeah. Come he on. is. He, yeah. It's, it's mind-blowing. And it's sometimes it's simple, but there's a complexity to it. You know, it, not, not to cut Bunny down, but I find some of the same thing that I do with Ringo, that there's a real heart in everything that he does. Well, you know, a lot of people gave Who comparisons to this yeah, record, and yeah. I, think, I think Bunny plays a little like Keith Moon on this He record. does. He does. 
He does, absolutely. Yeah, and he's just, he's kind of overshadowed because you've got the 12-string bass, you've got the best singer ever, and then you've got Rick Nielsen. And, you know, he just kind of gets overlooked sometimes. Yeah, and he's back there puffing away, just rolling his eyes at everybody. (laughs) (laughs) So of of this album, my cover band, The Butlers, uh, play Surrender, California Man, High Roller, and Off We Sane. Wow. Useless knowledge. No, it's not useless. To me, it shows how effective this album is and how much it saturates the fan base. Yeah, our guitar player thinks that this is Cheap Trick's best album, too. It's not my favorite Cheap Trick album, but it is. a lot of people think it's the best. <clears throat> my favorite's In Color. Oh, I think I said that before. Yeah. But it's always good to hear again. Yeah, nobody cares. We do. We care passionately. We care deeply. We're going to raise money for the, you know, the, uh, raise awareness for Michael Butler's love of In Color. to <laughs> Me, me, 
Okay, our next track, High Roller. And this one <laughs> has a bit of a different uh, writing situation. This one's written by Nielsen, Peterson, and Robin Zander. So, Mr. Michael Butler, please give us your thoughts on High Roller. One of my favorite songs on the album, background vocals are fantastic on this song. And and the bridge, the, the um, you know, the middle part, whatever. I love that part, too. Such a high... Uh, I don't, I'm not going to sing it because I'll ruin the song, but I love that part of the song. All right, BJ, your thoughts on High Roller? Yeah, I think this one was mostly written by Robin, and Bunny says it dates back to the early days of the band, like before the first album, and Robin said it was about a drug dealer he knew in Lake Geneva, which is, you know, like a small town in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I sort of got burned out on this song when they used to do it every time I saw them live, like all through the 90s. It was, I, I got to kind of wishing it would leave the set list. I like it a lot. It's not one of my favorites on the album, but... It's a fun song as a musician. It's a fun song to play. It's got that riff is 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 a very easy riff, but it's always it's fun to play. It's got a good, just a good riff. Could yeah. you imagine any other band recording this, like uh, doing a good cover of this song? You know, it's it's got it's such a hard rock riff. <clears throat> when they do the when they have the you know get to the high, that's so so freaking catchy and pop. Mm-hmm. It goes really well with that hard rock riff. It does. You know, you kind of screwed me up, Michael, the last time you were on the show. You mentioned that it would have been great to have Mike Chapman produce Cheap Trick. And uh-huh. ever since then, I have been weeping fortnightly uh, about the lost opportunity of that happening. That would have been so amazing. Yeah, you know, it's not too late. No, it's not too late. I'd love it. I'd love it. Me too. But what would have been so amazing back in their heyday? <clears throat> I that think that they probably were verging on, on the critics. A lot of people probably thought they were a gimmick band. Right. You know, because of the image, whatever. And they probably, I would, I would guess that they probably considered Mike Chapman, but thought that they could be taken down the route of Little Willie and that kind of stuff. Right. Plus, when you have somebody like George Martin that's willing to work with you, you kind of... Oh, well, he I'd, I'd rather hear Mike Chapman produce him than George Martin. I hate to say this, being the Beatle fan that I am, and somebody will smack me in the forehead, but I would have loved to had All Shook Up produced by Mike Chapman. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, because there were so many Beatles, obviously not to the Beatles anyway. They would have still surfaced. I mean, having 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 uh, Beatles, you know, having George Martin produce is kind of like redundant. I've always enjoyed this track. It makes it a really strong album opener. Yeah, Side one is just there's nothing bad on this. It's just one of those albums. You're not where saying you can that this should be go. the opening song of the album, are you? No, God no, God no. Okay, I think it's perfect just as it is. And, yeah. And,
anyways. So when you first put the album on, you're down to the fourth song. Wow, where's this? Where's the mediocre tunes? Every song is is great. Right. Do we continue that streak with Off Wiedersehen, or does it fall off? Michael, your thoughts on Off Wiedersehen? Off Wiedersehen is my favorite song on the album. So it even goes higher. Tune. It goes to eleven. I, yes, it's the it's the first. Come on, you you you're at you're at the end of the first side. It's great. Every song great. I love it when Cheap Trick sings about suicide. I don't know why. I just love it. And this is the song that really you can tell that the twelve-string bass is there. Oh, yeah, the opening. Yeah, and of course I Mr. love play. Butler's play this. I love playing this. It's, this is the funnest song to play in the set. And of course, Mr. Tom Peterson co-wrote this with Mr. Nielsen. BJ. He, yeah, he probably because of the, eight, the twelve-string bass is probably why he got the credit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, BJ, what are your thoughts on Off Weeders Zane? I love it. I think this is the the one song post first album that most belongs on the first Cheap Trick album, and I would really, really love to hear this song recorded the way they recorded the first album. And they had it, according to Bunny, they had this song when they recorded the first album. I I think it should have been produced heavier. I th- I kind of had this song. I think Tom Werman's production on In Color personally is better than on this album. Like In Color, songs like Downed and Southern Girls and So Good to See, I think they're done perfectly. I think the one song on In Color that should have been heavier would be maybe Big Eyes. But on this album, there's a couple of songs that I think definitely should have had crunchier guitars, higher in the mix, maybe just should have been heavier. Well, you can and, always listen to Budokan if you want to hear it harder. True, right. true. You know, I love the guys in the band, but uh, I disagree with them on uh, Tom Warman. I really have to say I disagree with him. You think he's good? Well, I think that he served them right. You know, they called him back. I, when I talked to him, I interviewed him. With, a lot of the interview was about Cheap Trick. Mm-hmm. Um, rockandrollgeek.com, there you go. He, they called him back once, either the Red Ant or uh, it could have been Rockford. I think he called him back to do Rockford. And so they must have liked him a lot. But he didn't do Rockford, but they called him back, and I think he said that he produced a lot of the um, demos. demos. And yeah. some of those recordings actually made it to Rockford, and they didn't give him credit. And he was really pissed off. He had nothing, nothing good to say about Rick Nielsen other than he's a talented guy. Yeah. It's sad. To me, you know, like you said, Big Eyes should have been harder. I think it's power pop perfection. I think it just kicks ass. I love We're it. Not- it's one of my favorites, but it's also it's a heavy song, and it, the, it's not quite produced as heavy as maybe it should have been. Mm-hmm. But I love the I you know I'm, I love the production in color, and I'm not a big fan of the Albini version. Um, so no, we are. I much prefer last- the original. Yeah. Listen to the outro part of 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 Off Weeda song of mm-hmm. oh, Off Weeda song <laughs> of Off Weeda saying mm-hmm. uh, the riff that. Um, Hello. The, the, I don't know what the chords it's are. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I love this song. Listen to that outro and listen to a song by the Partridge family called Doesn't Somebody Want to Be Wanted. I'm going to play that right chords. now. I'm going to play that right now. Same exact chords. Let's check it out. Where are you? Doesn't somebody 
I can sing what doesn't somebody want to be wanted while those chords are playing. So. But, now, but that's what you song, should do. That's what you should do when you worked? play it live. Sorry, go on. Wouldn't this song have worked really well on the first album? I mean, Absolutely. it's an insane song. It's it insane worked, and it's dark and it's crazy. It would crazy. work well on any album, on any Cheap Trick album. True, but... Tune. But their first album really stands out in the catalog. It probably, it probably takes you back to the style of the first album. Right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And I was talking to my uh, eldest stepson today, and I told him that I'm having the hardest time listening to anything like from the 80s, even like Dio and stuff like that anymore. It's just so much posing and posturing and nonsense. And, and I used to love all that stuff, but I don't know... It, it didn't grow up like I did, if it makes any sense. But to me, I listened to this song. I listened to this today. And I to me, this was everything I love about Cheap Trick, especially yeah. classic Cheap Trick. You've got uh, suicide. You've got punk influence. It's a heavy track, yet there's a great sense of melody. And it just doesn't quit. I think this is Robin's... Robin's best vocals on this album too. It's got it's, it runs the the entire Robin's end of range. It's got the um, you know the low when he sings in the low octave, mm-hmm. uh, and then he does the high and he does the screams. It's it it pretty much. This is a good showcase for Robin Zander. And this song cracks me up when they do it live because you know they'll uh, when you go to a cheap trick show. Well, like the last time I saw him was at a county fair so you've got a lot of people who really only know the flame and right. I want you to want me and, and surrender you yeah. know they'll go from like if you want my love to this song and then he's just screaming suicide yeah. <laughs> and it's echoing you know <laughs> in the open air at, at like a family festival and it's just <laughs> <laughs> at the rib cook off you know I'll do this
Auf Wiedersehen means I think see you later, basically yeah. in German. And uh, so Rick was thinking of like every permutation of goodbye. Yeah. And of course he goes to suicide. <laughs> you know, as the ultimate goodbye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amazing great stuff. Great tune. Now you mentioned it would fit on almost any cheap trick album. I'm not so sure on Busted. <laughs> yeah, it would. It would fit. Or the for Doctor. Me, it would be one of my. It would be my favorite song of the album. Yeah, it absolutely would. If it was on the Doctor, that would be uh, very bizarre. I think the doctor gets a bad rap. It does, opinion. it does, but don't you think it's like anything? It's like, uh, are you a big Beatle fan, Michael? No. Okay, well, to me, they're like the deal, you know what I mean? They're they're like my my perfect yeah. band, if you will. I surprise people when I say, oh, the Beatles did some songs that absolutely suck, like uh, Mr. Moonlight, for example. It's just horrible drivel. That George Martin organ solo, God, it's painful to listen to. Anything with sitar by the Beatles I yeah. can do without I can go halfway on you with you on that <laughs> what is your fir- uh, favorite band Michael that can do no wrong Cheap Trick is my favorite band are you kidding me <laughs> BJ yeah they Cheap can, Trick can, is my every, favorite band every band can do wrong right right but Cheap Trick is my favorite band of all time they've managed to uh, keep it going and god bless them glad that we got I went to, to the uh, Paul I went to the Paul sorry to interrupt Ken. no it's, it's okay I, I went to the Paul Stanley um, he he did a a, a book signing with, was a book signing but he was interviewed it was like kind of like inside yeah, the at, actor's at, studio yeah it was kind of like a at, town hall for the Jewish center at the Jewish community center yeah and it was so good but I, I, I'm digressing but I tried to ask a question I wanted to find out if he thought Cheap Trick should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame I think he would have said, yeah, for sure. He would have probably said, let's get it back to me. <laughs> As a matter of fact, Gary Schaller was there, uh, one of the co-hosts of the podcast. I wish you could have met him. And that wraps up side one of Heaven Tonight. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in two weeks for side two of Heaven Tonight.
Where the streets are all crowded, lots of people around. And there's music playing, not a care of sound. Just a sound with the rain falling silently down. Without you
years ago, I had no idea I'd be here. Who are you, anyway? What are you taking for? I must be dreaming. I'm telling you, I didn't do it. But if I did do it, it was an accident. The problem of getting your esoteric cogitations and articulating your superficial sentimentalities, amicable philosophical and psychological observations, beware of platitudinous ponderosities. Are we really the dream police? Let's take this call on the Chief Talk Line. You want to introduce yourself, dear? Hi, I'm Patricia Zander. I am the person who started out the Cheap Trick online community, and also I'm working with Holly in the induct the Cheap Trick into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think that Cheap Trick definitely deserves to be in there. I don't really have a lot to say good about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because they've kind of screwed us around and as Cheap Trick fans and KISS fans, but they do deserve to be in there for all the hard work that they've done. How did your group get started? And please tell people where they can go and what's your group about? What are you doing? Our, our mission is simple. We are trying to get the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame committee to choose Cheap Trick as the rock group inductees for 2015. The time has come. They've... They have to acknowledge, honor, and celebrate one of the most hardworking bands you know, that I, well, I consider the most hardworking band. They've been touring for almost 40 years constantly. Uh, they put out new music for all, for all their fans. They've done soundtracks for movies, everything. I mean, anything you can name, they, they've done it. Mm-hmm. They've been around for a long time. It's time that they get that respect and that honor. And probably the most important thing is that you and I love them. Yeah, there's a lot of people that love them. I mean... <laughs> It, it's unbelievable the response we have gotten so far. The message is pretty much spreading all around the world. I mean, people in Japan know about us already, Australia, uh, Canada. In the last three months, we've gotten so many signatures because finally the word's getting out there because so this three team members, basically, they go to shows and they hand out cards and make people aware. So that way they go on, this, on our petition site, sign the petition, and that's going to be one of our tools to, that we're going to present to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as uh, why they should be in there. There's a, a demand. A, a lot of the fans are demanding it's time now. It's time. And it's overdue absolutely absolutely how can someone become a member of the induct cheap trick street team so you just come on to request me as a friend patricia zander go to my groups and there's a group called the induct cheap trick into the rock and roll street team that's what you just uh, request me i will gladly put you on there and 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 you i'll make you a member and anytime there's they're coming to your town or you're going to any kind of cheap trick event you just give me like a month's notice and i will get cards to you so that you could hand out and be a street team member and they also have little wristbands and you've got the postcards and you guys are getting really organized and it's really nice oh we got t-shirts coming up we're going to try to do bumper stickers yeah in the next month well we've been waiting on a new logo which we actually have now we have now so we're just in the process of making new cards yeah you'll, you'll be seeing a lot more out there well this is very exciting patricia and by the way how did you get the name patricia zander i'm, I'm just going to oh. take a step <laughs> and say that bunny carlos is your favorite member uh, no, no, no. <laughs> 
Robin Zander has been like uh, the only thing I've spoken about since I first got turned on to Cheap Trick back in 1978. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to sign my last name as that since then. I was called Miss Cheap Trick. I was called Miss Zander. I mean, anything you can think of. We want to let everyone know that you can also find this info on our Facebook page for Cheap Talk with Trick Chat. And we'll also put it in the show notes. And if there's anything we can do, always feel free to make our page your page as well. Oh, thank you, Ken. I appreciate that. And I also want to thank you. I want to tell you, too. I think you guys are doing a wonderful job with those, uh, with all your shows, podcasts. They are so informative, and it's like every time I listen to it, I I learn something new about the band that I didn't already know, so I love it. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate hearing that, and we also appreciate you uh, sharing up the shows and letting people know that we're out there. And, And I think we're doing something really cool because... There's no other podcast devoted to cheap tricks, so we're trying to fill that void. Yeah, I love it. I, I, I listen to everyone, and I right away post it up on, on both my pages, and I, I think it's great. Well, thank you so much, Patricia. So, mm-hmm. again, uh, what's the name of your Facebook page? My Facebook page is Induct Cheap Trick into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Street Team. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for listening and Induct Cheap Trick into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We'll see you in two weeks. For side two of Heaven Tonight. And that's our show. Trick Chat is an online nonprofit audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to Cheap Trick or any of their members past or present. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes to buy it. If you enjoyed this show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying keep cheap trickin'. Very, very cool. You are listening to the Podkiss Network. You're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast. That's right, gang. You requested it. Finally, a monthly monkey's podcast is coming your way. Follow us as we discuss the adventures of Mickey, Mike, Davey, and Peter. That's right, the monkeys. Take some time out of your busy day and monkey around with us. So join us on Zilch, the podcast full of monkeys.